Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of What in the Wellness. As always, I love to hear your feedback, suggestions for new topics, questions that you would like answered, maybe even a guest that you would like to have on, or maybe you'd like to be the guest yourself. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach me by email or message. Uh, You guys know where to do that. Now, let's get started for today's episode. Welcome to this episode of What in the Wellness. In this episode, I get to have a discussion with Liz Durant, and she is a mom, a wife, and an empty nester. And she's also done some pretty incredible things, like 25 plus marathons, multiple ultra distances, and triathlons. And she also has three incredible children. As a mom now in her 50s, she's remained active her entire life, and she's been a collegiate athlete and is still kicking butt and living her life, as she calls it, taking on the second half of life with humor, humility, and courage. In this discussion, we talk about what it's like to stay active in our 50s and beyond, what's the most important things to focus on after 50, how to stay healthy as an athlete, what to do when what you've always done is no longer working, and how do you beat the menopausal middle. I love our discussion, and I know you will also, so let's get started. Hi guys, it's Emily Knopf. Welcome back to What in the Wellness. I'm very excited because on this episode, I have Liz with us from Affinity Fitness, and she is a mom, wife, empty nester, personal trainer, fitness and nutrition coach, and lover of all things active. She loves participating recreationally and competitively in ultra and mountain trail running, tennis, golf, cycling, swimming, snowshoeing, skiing, and anything else where she can move her body. She's extremely active. She is one of those like kick-ass women that I look up and I'm like, I want to be you when I grow up. Um, Liz, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk about a lot of these different topics and things with you. Um, Tell us a little bit more about yourself for those that aren't familiar with you yet. Sure, and thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to to have a a nice chat today. Um, So again, my name is Liz Durant. Um, I have a business called Affinity Fitness. I'm based out of uh, Central New Hampshire. And um, so, uh, Affinity Fitness was um, founded, if you will, when I became a personal trainer and a group fitness instructor when I turned 45. I was a little late to the party with it, um, but I had been in finance for years and then raised a family moving all over the country for a number of years. And so I finally settled um, on uh, going back and starting to do some marathon running and um, slowly but surely found that I really enjoyed working with um, with folks on their um, fitness goals. I then subsequently um, got into nutrition coaching, which really was out of my own need to sort of dial in my own nutrition for, um, for running and um, really enjoy now spending a lot of time um, working with clients. Um, mostly I would say women who are um, 50 and older, um, who are looking to sort of find their 2.0, if you will, in the second half of their life. Um, they may be empty nesters as well. They're, you know, they typically might be active. Uh, they might be looking to become more active, uh, maybe coming out of uh, working full-time to scaling back to part-time or have uh, kids that are transitioning to adulthood. Um, so I love working with, um, with that group. But Affinity Fitness came out of the fact that the word affinity means to um, have something in common. And when I taught a lot of group fitness um, at one point, um, I always felt that all of these different classes were individual communities of mine and they were communities of people that I cared a lot about and 
Um, we really enjoyed coming together once or twice a week. Um, we got to know each other um, really inside the four walls of a studio. And so that's really where the word affinity came from originally um, for the company is I really felt that the, the sort of the, the idea of community was a really important sort of um, cornerstone of what I wanted my um, coaching business to look like. Love it. That is so cool. And you're right. The community aspect of fitness and health is so important locally, globally, the whole, the whole community aspect is everything. And I, especially now that we're experiencing this, I'm actually feel like I'm trying growing my community, um, even with everything going on in the world and being kind of more distanced from other people. I'm finding other ways. Like it's like kind of like a dress apart. Life will find a way. I feel like community will find a way. Like we will find yes. community. Um, exactly. So you love, uh, you're one of your favorite things I've seen like on your website and stuff is helping women make the empty nest life a full one. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's a specific group. I haven't quite reached that that golden age yet where it's like, oh, you've reached this level of life. Um, so I'm still a little bit behind that, but I know that I have so many listeners that are in that quote age demographic, um, season of life, whatever kind of colloquialism we'd like to use to describe that. Um, I, I know they have a lot of questions and you're kind of, you're going to be like our resident expert here on this just because you're doing so many awesome things and just live in life. It doesn't even matter. Um, but also taking consideration in like where you're at with things and what that looks like with hormones and shifts and changes of, you know, not having, not having small children in the house anymore, all these different aspects of being that age. Um, and trying to stay active and full a life and healthy and like just all these different components of just wanting to continue to live your best life. Um, so with that in mind, I'd like to ask some questions if you don't mind about sure. uh, your thoughts and experiences with that so far. Um, how do you stay active or how do we as a, as a community in that age group, because I'm We'll be there too. Um, how do we stay active in our fifties and beyond? And also, I guess as a follow-up to that, what might what might be different about staying active during that age versus like in your twenties? Well, and that's a great question because I think um, a lot of women um, have are, are starting at a different place. I think that's the first thing. So for the woman who um, maybe starting with um, a, an interest in becoming more active and has been less active for a period of time. Um, starting with things that they enjoy the most um, are really a great way to start those baby steps. And I always encourage clients, you know, to, to just find something that they really like. One of the questions I ask on any intake that I do for a new client is, you know, not necessarily what do you love to do, but what do you not like to do? Because the last thing you want to do when engaging in um, a, an exercise program is to be told that you need to do something that you don't love because you probably aren't going to stick with it for very long. So I always encourage baby steps. And I think one of the things that, um, that women um, can do to, to sort of help with that is, is start dreaming. Um, I remember at one point, I think it was when I turned 40, and I started to say to myself, what do you want to be when you grow up? you know, you're 40 years old, your kids are now all in school. Um, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it took a while to process that. But one of the things I found that was really, really helpful was talking to a lot of other women. Right. Um, a lot of other women who were maybe further along in that process than I was at the time. Um, maybe women who'd made some really interesting decisions um, about themselves, their careers, 
um, things like that, um, and tried to just sort of uh, file away all of these different experiences from other people um, and then go back to them. You know, make, make notes, make yourself a vision board of what you want that to look like. And a Pinterest is a great tool for making a vision board um, and because you can just click and drag, you know, pictures, memes, whatever onto it and create your, you know, 2.0 vision board that you update every, you know, six months to a year. And I think when you allow yourself that time to think about what it is, when, you know, that you want to do or be when you grow up, um, slowly but surely, there becomes some clarity with that. And then comes the process of trying different things, especially if you're making a big shift. So mm-hmm. the whole idea of becoming more active is, you know, you might have been one who loved to play tennis when you were in your 20s before maybe you had children, raised a family, and worked full-time at the same time, haven't played much in the last, you know, 15 years. And that's something that really is of interest is to get back playing tennis. Um, Seek out resources early. Start to look at, well, you know, are there any tennis leagues for women over 40 in my area? Um, Maybe ones that are, have beginner groups that I can get back into and then grow into groups that are a little bit more experienced. Um, You know, getting your kids out to play, of course, is always a great reason to do it. (laughs) Um, But I think starting to envision what you want that to look like um, and being really mindful of not falling into the trap of feeling that you should be doing something or should not be doing something. I would never have fallen into mountain and ultra running had I not just said one day, I think I'll go try and trail run and fallen down about six times on my face Mm -hmm. and then walked off it and said, that was awesome. (laughs) and I said I never would have thought myself a trail runner well I think anybody who saw me that day probably didn't think I was but in any case it was one of these things that opened up a whole new sort of a whole new world that I had never even considered so I think that part of that dreaming then leads to maybe some exploration in some way you know whether it's you love to hike and then you know putting some things out there because I know a lot of times we um we tend to just keep kicking the can down the road. Um, and I would say I did this myself a little bit, have learned a lot from that and, um, and also maybe tried to um, work with clients to not do that as much. Um, but that's, you know, it got to be 45 and I still hadn't really done anything to move my vision forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I ended up serendipitously um, going and getting a part-time job in a local brand new fitness facility when we lived in Tennessee. And the woman who, the manager who was a woman um, had worked for the Y for her whole career. And she said to me one day, she said, why don't you go get your personal training certificate? She goes, you do a great job connecting with the members when you're here working out and running. She said, I'll, I'll hire you. And that was sort of the start. And I sort of looked at her and I said, you think I can do that? And so that was really the start of something that I never really envisioned myself doing. Yeah. And one of the lessons that I think I've learned and, and um, tried to remain true to is ask those of you around you who you love and trust what they see in you that you might not see in yourself. That was a big aha moment for me because I saw myself as some thing or some person And I didn't see myself as other things that actually led me down that path and ended up being things that I was super, super excited about and remaining open to receive. Yes, that, that is huge. It's being open to receive, like, because people can say things and give you 
there's a difference in asks, asking someone to tell you that and someone trying to like make you understand it when you go mm -hmm. ask and you're ready to receive what they say it can open up so many other thoughts that possibilities that you haven't even considered before absolutely and i think we compare ourselves so much especially i have to say you hit 40 and all of a sudden you're comparing yourself measuring yourself against other people along their journey and the whole idea of maybe making a huge change in a career or huge change in you know your your uh where you you know your, your, where you live what you're doing your relationships um is it's frightening it's scary and you think oh my gosh i can't do that i don't have the energy look at that person they've been doing this for 20 years i'll never i'll never be able to do that and i think that's one of the things we have to change the script on for those of us who are um in this in the 2.0 phase is um is it, it that's not true anymore it's not true and we you know we need to make it happen but um but there's definitely ways in which to move in the direction that you wish to move. Um, it just might be a different trajectory and a different path. So cool. This makes me almost really excited because like, I love what I do, but I'm excited to see how, how I evolve and like, I'll, exactly. I'm going to call you in a few years. And be like, you will. Okay. I will. I will. I'll be like, are you I'm ready for my 2.0. What do I <laughs> Your do? 2.0, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so are there some things that you have found along your journey? Now, if you don't mind sharing with the, with the group, um, how, how beyond 50 are you at this point? Like, I'm 58. I just turned 58. Yeah, I just okay. turned 58 in March. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in, in, that, in the past eight years then, from like 49 and a half till now, um, what are some of the most important things that you found that women, I guess in particular, because that's kind of more of our, our group, um, what are some of the most important things that they really need to just start focusing on uh, once they reach that age, besides accepting that this is a chance to be 2.0 and not right. on the down, on the downslide, right? Like, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Well, I think this whole idea of sort of like, as I say, like throwing in the towel or waving the white flag is, it, that is so yesterday. Mm -hmm. So part of it is, as you and I were saying, like, keeping an adventurous spirit, whatever that may look like for you. I'm not saying you need to go hike, you know, the, the Himalayas or Mount Everest, but whatever that looks like for you is always kind of keeping your eye on the prize. Now I'll preface that by saying that 40 for me, turning 40 was easy. I felt like I was in like building momentum. I was kind of in my like zone. Um, 45 was awful. Oh my gosh, 40, 45 was like, I felt like I'd hit a wall. I didn't know what I wanted to do. That's when I realized I had not, I'd kicked the can down the road a little further than I'd wanted. Mm. Um, and so I was sort of, you know, reflecting on the fact that I had five years that I should have been working on. So 50 for me actually was, um, was well, as a runner, I'll say this, that as a runner, every time you hit an age group, 40, 45, 50, 55, like you work your way up in the standings. So every time I would hit a hit, it, like when I hit 60, my Boston qualifying time is slower and that's a good thing. So I always laugh. Like it's always relative. You get to a point if you're a runner or something like that and you have to do, you know, you, you tend to improve, you tend to improve. So right. I would say, you know, 50, 50, I mean, it's expression, you know, 50 is the new 40, 60 is the new 50. I, I mean, I think there's an element of truth, but it really comes down to mindset. Yeah. Now, I think that one of the things we, that we all have to work on, and I, I think it's not unique to people, just to women just over 50, is right. always being mindful of the big picture. Um, you know, our overall health, um, you know, our family's health, our, you know, our spouse's health. I mean, there, 
one of the things I think you sort of come to realize when you reach the 2.0 and then some is things can change very rapidly. And you might have a period um, where things change dramatically for a loved one. Um, caring for elders, I think, is probably one of the biggest challenges that um, women um, and men, but women, since I work with them the most, um, experience at this point in our lives. Right. So, and that can be draining. It can be emotionally taxing. It can be physically exhausting. It can be financially draining. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. So the whole element of taking care of our whole self becomes even more important. Mm. And so it's interesting. I've reflected a lot on this whole self-care movement, if you will. Um, and I, I, I tend to sometimes um, say to myself, I feel like self-care has become a little cliche. Um, because I think there's so much more to it than just, you know, self-care is, you know, going out and get a mani-pedi. Um, it's, there's so much about self-care that needs to come from within. And that includes loving yourself, um, and surrounding yourself with people who, um, have a depth of gratitude and appreciation, um, of who you are. Um, it's a little bit of seeking out those people who can share with you. Um, as I say, my girlfriends, if you will in my fifties have become even more important, um, than in my forties. Uh, that's my community. Uh, you know, those are the people that, um, those are the people that we rise each other up. Um, and they become, those relationships become really important to the notion of well-being in, 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 the, in the world that I work. Um, and I don't know what I, where, what I would do without those relationships. I think that's um, one of the things that I value a lot. So I think nurturing those relationships as we get older becomes more important to spend time on that because there's an element of well-being in all that, in our relationships, in our physical well-being, our emotional well-being, what we're doing to feed our bodies, what we're doing to take care of our bodies, things like that. And the one thing we can always count on is that we can't count on anything right. because things, things change rapidly. You know, things can change on a dime, um, you know, with ourselves, with somebody else we're close to. And I think that's that element of we need to be, we need to be always looking for that, that vision of ourselves and keep working toward it and expect that we might take a bunch of S turns to get there. And I love to use the analogy with all my clients of finding our lane, finding our lane in our fifties. And some people need a wider lane than others. Some people just need the narrow lane and a straight line and they're good. <laughs> and that works for them. Others like myself, you know, we need a little bit wider a lane and we tend to, you know, meander down that lane just a little bit. But the, our whole goal is not to go careening over the guardrail. Mm. So we might kiss the guardrails at times, but the whole goal is not to go careening over the edge. And so however big your lane is, envision what that lane looks like and just start to drive down that road. Drive down the road. I love that. Um, so because self-care is, I feel like a, a buzzword at this point, it's kind of like functional fitness became a yeah. buzzword, um, for a little while. And then, um, there's, I mean, we could name a million of them, but, mm -hmm. um, or like eat more, uh, eat less, move more. Like there's so many things right. we, we try really hard cause they fit really well on mugs and t-shirts. Yeah. Um, they're simplified. Mm -hmm. Yes. But they don't really, they miss the mark on some of the deeper work that's involved and some of the inclusiveness of on a hierarchy of things I think are more important when it comes to self-care. 
um, and you addressed several things that that's going to look different, I think, too, in self-care for a 20-year-old, you know, 20-year-old, 25-year-old with a nine-month-old baby is going to look different. Absolutely. For, you know, a 30-something who's more established and, you know, maybe kind of deepening in a career and then like 45, 50, oh no, we're, we're shifting careers now because we don't have these small children to take care of. They're independent. They're on their own. I'm discovering what my 2.0 is. That's going to look, self-care looks different for all of mm -hmm. these different seasons of life, not only individuals, um, and just even within those groups. So when it comes to true self-care, um, what are some of the things that you would either recommend starting with as a way to discover what self-care is or things that you have seen that are beyond the surface with just quote self-care and the many petties and even things that you have found really impactful either for yourself or for clients or both i would say relationships i think relationships mm -hmm. are probably one of the things that um that can um really provide the um the support when you need it um i think that there are a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, I've got lots and lots of girlfriends. And that, and that likely is true. And, um, and I would say I was in the same situation for many, many years. Um, but the relationships I form now, I think are much deeper. Um, the relationships I form with clients um, are very different. And I've moved away, and I think we've moved away a little bit from the, um, you know, do 15 reps of this chest press to, um, you know, how's your, how's your brother doing? Uh, because when somebody shows up and they're going through a really difficult time, just getting in the car and showing up may have been as much as they can handle that day. And because they're worried about so many other things. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes building those relationships, that trust um, with friends and with clients so that we're there for each other as we go through various um, parts of our of our life is probably one of the most important things it kind of goes back to the whole idea of community in a fitness class if if going to you know if going to a you know a, a step class or a kickboxing class is where you find your peeps because you feel really close to them um, then that's self-care right there you know that's taking care of your needs so it's really physical emotional and mental needs um, that take it that next that next level and believe me, I'm not against a mani-pedi at all. <laughs> I highly recommend them. I highly recommend them. Um, but I also think, you know, that if you prioritize those things as you get older, that, that list might change a little bit in priority, mm -hmm. um, what is most important. And I, I do think that there's some value in, um, in journaling as we get older a little bit. And it's not because we're getting older and our memories are getting tougher. But <laughs> that, is, that is definitely a piece of it. But it's also because sometimes we need to, the ability to reflect on it, mm -hmm. um, slowing down a little bit and reflecting on those things as to what, what is most important. What do you need the most to live that fullest life so that, you know, making your empty nest a full life um, can mean a million different things to a million different people. Um, you know, it might be filled with family. It might be traveling. It might be, so making sure that you um, sort of, plan that. And, and I think this is one of the things I think in my 50s I have found to be really beneficial is to make sure that I'm always planning um, something. For me, it might be racing, you know, my race calendar for the summer. I, that gets me through a New England winter. Um, and so it might be taking a trip with my spouse because he works out of state, so we don't ever spend a lot of time together. Um, so that's self-care for me because it's helping not only my relationships, 
but it's also helping me get away from sort of the, the daily, you know, the daily routine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for some people, it might be seeing their grandchildren every week, you know, whatever that is. So really identifying, and I think even writing down, what is it that, what is it that I need emotionally, physically, and mentally to mm-hmm. feel my, my best self? Um, and it could be that mani-pedi. It could be going out for a, you know, a Friday night with the girls. Um, we all nurture ourselves in different ways. Uh, so there's no like, that's why self-care for me has become a little cliche. It's been all about, like you say, putting it on a mug or checking a box. Um, and that's not that deep fulfillment that I think really and truly needs to be done. Yeah, I think, so that's, I, I'm, I'm kind of like pulling every time I do one of these, I'm pulling like a little snap quote that I'm going to use mm-hmm. kind of like the highlight. And I think that might be it is just um, taking the time to figure out what, what do I need to be my best self? Because um, I mean, you probably noticed this, I'm, I'm hoping it's, I feel like there's a shift in the wind. It's still a lot of work to be done, um, is removing, I will say this, the normalization though, of at least self-care has started to encourage the thought that it is not wrong or should cause guilt to take Correct. time to establish what you need to be your best self. That that's mm-hmm. not a selfish thing. That's a necessary thing. Um, Absolutely. So I do appreciate that part of it. <laughs> yes, it is. And it is, it's making it mindful. And that's what I say. I mean, self-care mm-hmm. is a mindful practice. So you, you have to, um, and this is, you know, very PN, but you have to notice and name it. What do yes. you need? I need to notice that I need it. That's the other piece is the acknowledgement. Right. Um, because it's very easy to sort of lose that, as I know, even from raising children. Very easy to lose it in the daily routine. Um, until it's either too late or until you get to a point where it becomes, um, it just becomes unhealthy. Um, I think as we become, as we get older um, and we, we may or may not have a little more space, um, careful, see, I didn't use the word time. Right. Um, because t- it may not be time. Time may not, time, time is finite. But we may have more space, may have more, you know, bandwidth to think about these things. Um, it allows us to sort of bring it to the frontal lobe, as I like to say. And I think when we bring it to the frontal lobe, even if it's having conversations with friends, it helps us to sort of notice that that's what we need or that's how, that's what we need to work on. Yeah. And that might be to plan. Um, I, I know I need a long run this weekend. I will be planning that tonight. So I think that's part of it is knowing, knowing what it is that one needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, it, sometimes you already know it. Sometimes you have to sort of figure it out. Uh, but you're right. It is not a selfish act. Um, in fact, it's a selfless act because research is showing that, the, that, that, having, that you know, having that self-value actually makes stronger relationships, keeps you healthier, um, allows, you know, allows you to live life fully. I love that. I think that's a, maybe that's a better term. Maybe we can start to coin that. Maybe, okay. maybe we'll patent that as self, yes. self-value, creating self-value. space for self-value rather than self-care, because I think that right. puts a lot more to the pointness on it. Um, so I, I do have a couple more questions. I would be remiss if I didn't ask, because although it is a passion of mine to study, it is not yet part of my personal experience. Um, so one question is going to be related to um, just my, a lot of people know me as my specialty being like pelvic floor, core, prenatal, postnatal. Um, I'm very interested in the study of also mm-hmm. pre, peri, and postmenopause um, as well. But like I said, not part of my personal experience yet. 
Um, but I do have a lot of women that are in that age or time. I like to call it time of life because honestly, uh, early menopause can hit very early or it can hit late. Um, so there's really not a defining age for that necessarily. Um, but that does create a huge change in how you do things and what you're doing and what to pay attention to as far as um, like hormones and tracking and losing weight. And the, the most common thing I hear when we get to around 45 is that I used to always do this or I've always done these things and it's not working anymore. It's not working, right, exactly. What exactly. in the world am I supposed to do? And so mm -hmm. um, from from your experience working with, with this age uh, group or season of life and this, these 2.0ers, um, how do you start creating what you feel like is your 2.0 or, or you're creating your best life when it feels like maybe your body's fighting against that? Like, what do you do? Yeah, the, inevit the inevitable change, as people call it. What, 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 did they, what, did, what did our mothers call it? Like going through the change or something Going through like the that? change, yes. Yeah, going through the change, which, I mean, I, I'm happy to share my personal experience because it really led me to being really interested in working with women who were in a similar, sort of in a similar period of their life. Um, is, you know, women can start going through perimenopause very early. I mean, I started, I started perimenopause at 39. Wow. And so very early and right after my third child was born. And, and I think depending on, you know, what your lifestyle is, um, that can impact, um, you know, how you go through um, that period of life. Perimenopause can last, mine lasted almost 10 years. So, and it, a lot of it was wow. due to my high volume of running. Mm. Um, and so there's a little, there's an element there too of, you know, all the pieces of the puzzle because, you know, not only do you have the hormonal piece of um, your body going through a natural change, um, perimenopause to menopause, um, but you also may have, may have lifestyle factors that could be impacting the hormones like stress and sleep and, um, you know, things like the health issues, things like that. So dissecting some of those parts, identifying what those parts are and what the moving parts are is really important. So, and there's a lot of great resources out there that can really help um, provide some knowledge. I think the most important thing is understanding what your body's trying to do and what your body's doing and where that body is headed. And, and, I, and pretty much any woman that I know that has either gone through menopause, going through menopause, or you know, been, has been through menopause is always happy to share their experience. So, because everyone's so different. Um, and for your, for your female listeners out there, my, one of my funniest stories is I, I teach spinning. I teach indoor cycling. And I think at the height of, of menopause, I was you know, teaching an hour-long class. It was super hot. It was crowded. It was packed. And I have a hot flash. And oh, I'm no. sitting on the bike just already sweating up a storm. And all of a sudden, I have a hot flash on the bike. And I just start laughing because I'm thinking... <laughs> Oh, now I've seen it all. Like, really? Are you kidding me? You know, as sweat just goes pouring off my body onto the floor. And of course, nobody knew at the time, but I'm always happy to share the story because I'm thinking in some ways you have to have a little, little humor around it um, because who would have thunk that that would have happened in the middle of a cycling class? Right. But I think that um, one of the things we all know is that all women, I'm going to use that general, generally, will go through some type of change. Um, now, obviously, there's situations where that might be preempted with, you know, medical situations and things like that. But when, when we go through it, some people are going to go through it quickly. Some people will take a lot longer. Um, we all typically come out on the other side. 
different. Um, and it could be in a lot of different ways. And mo a lot of women tend to settle a lot of their menopausal weight um, in their middles. Mm -hmm. um, so that can be coupled with other, you know, medical situations, you know, like thyroids that aren't functioning uh, at a hundred percent. So there are a lot of other factors that start to play. I can say come into play um, your existing lifestyle, whether or not you're already regularly exercising. Um, but the most important thing is, is understanding that um, what we did in the past may not work again. It may, we don't know until we start to work on it. And I've done a lot of work with women where we've done a lot of um, exploration. And I, I kind of look at it, at it as a, you know, an experiment with our, with our postmenopausal bodies, mm -hmm. because I've had some women respond unbelievably to intermittent fasting and, but some that made no difference. So a lot depends on, you know, kind of what other factors you have at play. Um, women tend to get very discouraged post-menopause with the, what, what I call the menopausal middle. I actually have a group right now going through a 60-day program that I created that is, um, that, is, that is designed for women 50 and older who, are, who want to focus on figuring out what it is that's creating that. Mm -hmm. So it's nutrition, exercise-based, mindset, everything, lifestyle. Um, and it's interesting, everybody's responding differently. Um, but I would say probably the most important factors when you're going through and, and finishing menopause for women is really looking again at your nutrition habits. Um, we do tend to become increasingly sedentary as we get older. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we slow down a little bit. That's just nature. So we need to take a look at what kinds of things we're doing for exercise, increasing the, the amount of times that we may be doing strength work mm -hmm. provides benefits, not just for, for, you know, potential weight loss, but also for, um, you know, keeping, kicking the osteoporosis can down the road, um, keeping your joints healthy, keeping you moving, helping with your balance. Um, everything we do postmenopausal, there's risk. Right. So, you know, climbing a ladder, do I climb a 50 foot ladder anymore? No, I have my, my son do it um, because there's risk there. So everything I think we have to look at as, as what, what is the risk and what is the reward. And I find that most women are very interested in trying to figure out what works for their bodies. Um, and they're very willing to try different things. When I say try different things, I mean really taking a look at what they're doing for nutrition and exercise, kind of the foundations of those habits and looking at their lifestyle. Are they eating out a lot? Are they really diet? Are they, um, you know, there's so many factors that go into it. And I would say one of the most important things they can do is if they feel that they um, need the support and the accountability is finding a coach or a nutrition coach or a, or a personal trainer who has some nutrition experience and mm -hmm. certification to work with um, for just a while even to, yeah. to sort of get a plan. Um, I'm a big one for getting a plan. Um, I always say like if my clients say that I don't, they don't need me anymore, um, that's a compliment. That means right. we've got a good plan for them. Definitely. Yeah. Um, that's kind of, I'm like, you should at some point, depending on what, what your goals are, what you're working on at some point, you, if you want to continue working because you like the support and you like the accountability, that's great. But you should eventually get to the point at the end of our, you know, our time together that you are able to move forward and you don't need me anymore because you've discovered enough, you've experimented enough and you've developed a plan and things that work for you that you can take with you and the tools to adapt that plan as necessary. That's um, right. 
So that is definitely the goal. I will ask a uh, just a, a little bit of a tidbit because we do have some listeners that are going to be, I, I guess, would consider themselves to be more of like on that athlete side of the spectrum, mm-hmm. competitive athlete. Um, is there some sort of like really good um, tip or, or something that we need to be considered? Maybe they're their first time they're always considered wanting to be a competitive athlete where they have wanted to go to an ultra marathon or run a 10k or compete in a strength competition or something like that and now 2.0 them actually has that space as you called it to consider doing that um how do you transition how do you stay healthy and moving and move into that competitive athlete world at that 2.0 stage well, I think that for those people who may have been um, a competitive athlete, say in their 20s, um, and then raised a family in their 30s and 40s, and are going back to it, um, the most important thing really is understanding that, that the body that will be coming back will be the different than the body that left. Um, that is something that I think is really hard for a lot of athletes to get their head wrapped around. I think that there are lots of um, women out there who are very interested in tr- in sort of dipping their toe in running a 5k, running a 10k, running a half marathon, running a marathon that maybe have never in the past. And the, probably the best, the best tool that you can have is a group of people to do it with, um, where you have accountability amongst yourselves, where you have a group to run with those long runs. Um, again, the relationship piece and the community piece become even more important. I think as we get older, cause they're kind of what get us out the door. Um, <laughs> And then it's really listening to your body. Um, as a um, you know, as a competitive athlete in my 40s um, and into my 50s, I struggled with a ton of injuries um, into my 50s, and a lot was due to my my own nutrition. Um, and I, I'm completely open and frank, and some disordered eating, which led me to the nutrition piece of this whole journey I'm on, um, and helping other women as well. And so. Um, there is a lot of mind work that needs to go on. And there's a couple of really good books um, that I found super helpful for sort of that competitive athlete. One is a book called Roar by Stacey Sims. Um, and <laughs> I love have her. You, have, you, have you read that? Yes. Yeah. So, and I would highly recommend following her um, on social media. Um, but she, that's a resource a lot of people are reading just to get some understanding mm-hmm. um, of you know, again, from, she's a world-class Ironman triathlete. So she's looking at it, but she's also very, you know, very, very smart um, woman, PhD, um, and has a lot of science and exercise background. So um, there's some others that out there that I really, really like. Um, Elizabeth um, Clark is another one. Um, Her guide to sports nutrition is a great Bible of um, sports nutrition. So when we, when we look at maybe going back to um, an activity or activities that we have participated in before, um, it's, it's not a zero to 60 proposition, especially if you're doing it after 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends how long you've been out of it. If you are brand new and you say, I've never been a runner, but I want to run a 5K, there are um, gazillions of resources out there on a training on how to train for something like that. And what's most important is you take care of your whole body. You get enough sleep. You keep your stress in check. You watch your nutrition. You make sure that you're eating to fuel um, what it is you want to do. And that you're doing appropriate exercise to, you know, to match that. Um, and so I know of master's athletes that, I mean, I had never run a marathon before 40 in my life. Wow. And ran 25 in, in 10 years. 
and then went to the ultras. So to say that it's, to say, you know, that it's too late, I'll never do that is, that's not, that's, that's not, that's an excuse, not a reason. Um, and if you really want to do it, then you, you find the resources you need. And if you really are uncomfortable, find a coach or find somebody who's been a runner that can help you through it. That's how I got into it. I had a friend whose husband was an Ironman triathlete and she was a marathon runner. And I just started running with her, following along. I was like the sheep, you know, following along. <laughs> and so, and that was huge because she's the one that really got me. Well, my husband blames her for it, but I think it was because I really enjoyed it. And so, and I enjoyed the friendship and that she was my first running partner. So I think finding that, that, that running partner or that biking partner um, and making sure you do a lot of cross training, making sure that you're balancing things. Um, honestly, I only run four days a week. I used to run seven. I only run wow. four days a week in my fifties and I'm running 50 milers. So yeah. more is not necessarily better. Um, and I learned that the hard way with a lot of injuries and had to, had to do some, some definite mental work around that. Mm -hmm. um, but making sure that you really rely on listening to your body, but also that you, um, that you have a plan that you know kind of going into it what you um what you should do for your own for your own self not listening to other people um who may be doing something different and that works for them because everything it, it works differently for everybody i know some people who will people who are in their 70s who run seven days a week never been injured that's awesome that's awesome, that's awesome. That, didn't, that didn't work for me and so you know and i find that you know going to places like trail running and hiking um, to do some cross training with other activities, cycling has been a lifesaver. You're still mm -hmm. able to be outdoors. You're still able to be active, but it's not competitive for me. Right. Uh, those are things I actually enjoy doing because I love doing competitive running, but I know I can't do competitive running at the same level I used to when I was 42. Right. Definitely. That is so cool. So we're, in case you guys are wondering, we are, I'm going to bring her back. Um, I will beg, borrow, steal if I have to. Uh, hopefully, hopefully she'll respond to a polite ask, and um, we'll address the next time we come back uh, with a little bit more on that athlete side because I, I know she's yeah, I love that share um, yeah. and just what that's like and that mental work coming back from injury because I have come back from several injuries as well and that's just a unique challenge. But definitely know we'll, we will want to cover more on that topic than we have time for today in particular, and she is on the road traveling home, so I don't want to keep her out on the side of the road forever, so <laughs> That's all right. I found a nice shady spot. A nice shady spot. It is a beautiful day. She has a puppy with her, too, you guys. You can't, well, if you're watching the video replay, you can see him. He's super cute. Hi. There he is. There he is. <laughs> um, for my audio listeners, you guys will just have to hop on and watch the video at some point because he's super cute. Um, Liz, thank you so much. It has been. Hey, thank you. What an really what a pleasure to be on with you, and I'd love to come back. Um, I always love talking about um, these things. I think there's so much information to be shared out there, um, and the more Definitely. I think that we all talk about our different experiences, the more we can learn from each other. Definitely. So um, I can't thank you enough. It's this has been fantastic, you guys. And her recommendations for books and things will be in the show notes. Um, okay, great. Her website is going to be uh, www.affinityfitness603.com. You can also find her on Facebook and Instagram as Liz Durant, D-U-R-A-N-T. And then on Instagram, it's going to be .affinity. Um, again, that's going to be in the show notes as well, so you can find her. But she puts out some amazing content. She's a pleasure to talk to, as you guys can 
can tell. Um, so please go and follow her as well. And she has such great information she puts out. So Liz, I can't wait to talk to you again. Have a safe trip. Well, thank you very much and stay cool. I will definitely try. I will definitely try. It's a cooler day today in Georgia than it normally is, but it's going to get good again. So thank you so, so much. I look forward to talking to you again soon. You guys, thank you for joining What in the Wellness. This episode has been fantastic. And as always, we will see you next time. Great. Thanks very much. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening today. If you're interested in being a sponsor or a patron of this podcast to help us develop more resources and get more exciting things out into the world about the global perspective on integrative wellness and health, please feel free to reach out via email or message. And I look forward to seeing you and the new subscribers that you're going to bring to the podcast as we go along on this journey. Thank you so much for being here and I wish you all the best and light and love as you continue throughout your day today.